Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that the doors to my marketing playbook are opening very, very soon. If you're a service provider and want to learn how to market your business like a pro, this six-week program is for you. Head on over to mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course to pop your name in the wait list and I'll send you an email as soon as the doors are open. All right, let's get going. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It's so good to be with you. Today, I am joined by Samantha Wills, author, creative entrepreneur, and founder of the Samantha Wills Foundation. Samantha has just released her business memoir of Golden Dust. And let me tell you, it is a must read. If you're a creative in business or an entrepreneur who wants to scale and grow your business, which I reckon is most of us, Samantha's raw, unfiltered story will give you an inside look at how one of Australia's most successful female entrepreneurs did it. Highs and lows, wins and meltdowns and everything in between. You know that business can be lonely. And there's something about the way Samantha intimately shares her journey. She shares the huge public success on the global stage, coupled with the private moments that felt far from the glamour and the flashing lights and the Instagram posts. But somehow the way she does this and the way that she talks about business as a creative just somehow makes you feel less alone, less isolated, and to be honest, a little less crazy (laughs) because her story is just so relatable, so raw, and so honest. Honestly, it's really inspired me. Now, Samantha, a little bit more about her. She founded Samantha Wills Foundation as a place for creative entrepreneurs to connect, to overcome imposter syndrome, and to develop brands that extend far beyond their business and truly touch the lives of their customers. She's got a huge story and I'm just going to let her tell it, but it's been such an honor for me to sit down with Samantha and have this conversation. I know you are going to love it. So let's dive in to hear from Samantha Wills. Well, thank you so much, Samantha Wills, for joining me. It is such a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me on. It's a treat. So glorious. Now, tell us, I know a lot of our audience know you and, and know a bit about your story, but tell us about you. What do you do and how did you start a little bit of your journey? Well, I guess I'm technically unemployed at this point. So if you've come here for business (laughs) advice, um, but I did have a job. I had a job for 15 years. Um, I was the founder and creative director of Samantha Wills Jewelry, which was a costume jewelry and accessories brand that I founded when I was 21 years old. So I started that on my dining room table, um, you know, while working my full-time job back in 2004. 
before, which seems like a million years ago, um, and then started selling down at Bondi Beach Markets and got an opportunity to launch at Australian Fashion Week, which I took, um, you know, hoping to discover the cost of the order, thinking it would just be like a PR exercise for my market stall, and ended up writing $17,000 worth of orders and was like, oh, shit, all right, I guess this is a thing. Um, you know, quit my, my real job the next day. And, you know, through literally everything, and when I say blood, sweat and tears, I literally mean <laughs> blood, sweat and tears at building this uh, accessories brand. And what I really was setting out to do was build a brand that people wanted to be a part of. And um, over the, you know, next 15 years that followed, it went from my dining room table to, um, you know, essentially the international stage. And 15 years into that journey, and it was by all means a, a successful one, um, I made the decision to close the business and um, I made the decision to close and not sell because I wanted to retain the rights to my name um, and, you know, I didn't have the heart to sell the business to see what someone else would do with it. So I uh, made the decision in the middle of 2018 to to close and we closed at the start of 2019. And um, in the time since then, I yeah started writing a, a business memoir, which has just come out now. So um, that's that's a kind of almost like a two decade wrap up. <laughs> yes. And your memoir of Golden Dust is beautiful. It is such an easy read and it's so raw and honest and authentic and I love I love that you share like for me it was like reading it was like you talk about this really public success you know you're like people called you like one of Australia's biggest exports in in business like you had this crazy successful business but then I love that you share the personal side of it like what was going on behind the scenes for you as an individual. And I think Mm. there's such a cool, I think as a businesswoman, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I I totally see that there's this dichotomy, right, of what people perceive as success and and what is actually success behind the scenes. So I, I can't wait to just dive in and hear all of your thoughts. But firstly, one thing I love about your journey is that you've built a brand, not just a business. So for, you know, a lot of our audience are small business owners, they're Mm -hmm. starting out. What do you think is the distinction between a brand and a business? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think, you know, if you were to summarize it very simply, it'd be like, brand is why you do it, but business is what you do. So I think it's, you know, very much around, you know, people aren't loyal to businesses, they're loyal to brands. And it's the, the brand side of things is, is the heart and the human and the vulnerability and the, the reason that people choose, you know, there's, there's nothing really in this world that is like they're the only people that do that product. Like we have a choice across your product, service, whatever mm. the business is, but it's because of the brand that you, you choose to affiliate, you know, a, a shared view with that brand. Um, and, you know, I often say with business, like there's a right and a wrong way to, to run a business. It's, it's very black and white. There's a P&L. You know, it's, it's if you know how to run a business, and I don't say that lightly because when I started uh, my journey, I did not know how to run a business and essentially got myself into $80,000 worth of debt because I didn't know that. Um, but there, you know, there are people that do know how to run businesses. I learned how to run a <laughs> yeah. business. Um, but yeah, there's a black and a, a, you know, a right and a wrong way to run a business with a, a brand. It's, it's completely personal and it's vulnerable and it's, it's, there's no right or wrong way to do branding. 
Yeah. And, and I think in the end, like for you, did you feel like you became, when you started Samantha Wills and the, the jewellery side of things, mm-hmm. did you realise that it was going to be such a big brand? Like did you, what was that like for you to kind of go, oh, my gosh, this is just hap- like skyrocketed? Yeah, uh, the answer is no. I, I had absolutely no idea. I remember being at my Bondi market table and the biggest my dream got from that table was like, imagine having a retail store in Bondi. Like imagine having a store in Gould Street down where all, you know, the cool shop. I was like, that was like, if I could do that, I I would, you know, that's the end goal. And I think, you yeah. know, so often, um, obviously your your markers of success change and your, your your dreams get bigger and, you you know, as you progress through things, you, you have more of an eagle view rather than a field mouse view. But I think it's, you know, I, you just never, you never know. And I think for so long, not so much just that example, but I had this one idea often of, of success. And it was almost like a pinhole of, you know, that's the pass and fail. That's the black and white and, you know, holding on to how something should look in a way. And I would do this with many things in my life. And, you know, when you're holding on to something that tightly, you really don't see what is unfolding around you and the opportunities that are, that are presenting themselves. So um, it took me a long time to, to kind of surrender what something's meant to look like and, you know, see there's probably what you, what you think is, is the pinnacle is, is probably something so much more beautiful when you can release that grip a little bit. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it seems like in reading the book, the common theme for me is that I feel like your journey has kind of been hallmarked by your intuition, and also I think your bravery. You share really openly in in the book the moments where you trusted your gut mm-hmm. and the moments where you didn't. What have you learned by following and occasionally not following your intuition? Well, I think, you know, when I look, and obviously with hindsight, like this is a book of, of two decades, right, that I've been able to yeah. sit at, you know, <laughs> at 30, 38 and 39 years old and kind of reflect on. So um, you use the word brave. I, you know, I don't think I felt brave a lot of that time. I think mm. I think I felt naive, naive a lot of the time. And I think that, you know, if I had to make some of those decisions that I made early on, I don't know if I would be brave enough to make them now because I know so much more. So in, in a way that naivety, um, you know, I didn't feel like I had anything to lose. So that really played into my favour back then. I think, you know, I look at it, the decision-making process now, and this can be like big life, you know, milestone decisions, or it can be everyday decisions, but we kind of find ourselves at a crossroad at every decision. And I talk about the difference between destiny and fate. And to me, destiny is like what you put on this earth to do. It's like when you're in flow, it's, 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 you know, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but it's kind of where your soul is kind of nudging you to go. And we only get to our destiny or, you know, experience our destiny when we kind of take these, um, you know, I guess it's a leap of faith is, is what the terminology you would use for it. But if you yeah. look at it and you're like, well, you know, your soul is always nudging you in a way and it's nudging you for, for the, the greater good of, of your journey. But the mind is always, you know, wants to keep you in the familiar. So when you're standing, you know, you have a decision and like, for example, it might be a relationship that has run its course. It might be a job that is no longer inspiring. It's, it's something that you're like, all right, I know it's, I have to, you know, I should move on, but it's so scary because I don't know what I'm moving on to. So the mind, the, the soul is like, hey, take this little step, take this like little, you know, little step and something will rise up to reach you. You don't know what it is yet. So that's the decision of faith. The decision of fear is like, 
the mind is like, well, you should stay where you are because you know it. Doesn't mean it's inspiring, doesn't mean it's not toxic, doesn't mean it's where you, you know, where you should be, but you know it. And that's where the mind wants to keep you. So um, I think, you know, when I think about intuition and, and making decisions based on that, the intuitive choice is not always the calmest choice. It's often the one that that's like, oh, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's going to work out, but there's always that quiet, quiet whisper and nudging that is it's almost pushing you out of your comfort zone. And there's a there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's so true. And and I think on the the bravery thing, I, I feel like you talk about when you had that kind of moment where you were like, I, I need to close the business. And I think it takes, it would take a lot of bravery to close an unsuccessful business. Like I mm-hmm. think if, you know, you know, if if I had a business and it wasn't successful, I would find it so hard to close that. I would, I would feel like, oh, like my ego's a bit hurt, you know. Yeah. But closing, closing a successful business, that requires infinitely more bravery, right? How did well, you do that? How was that? How did that play out? Well, I think it's if you differentiate, like we're talking about the feeling, so like the heart space, the gut space, yeah. and then the thinking, like you can't fake a feeling. You know, like when you like, I don't know, you don't want to have a crush on someone or you like, you can't, you can't fake what you feel. So I think at that point, but you can talk yourself out of anything. Like the mind can give you a list of reasons for why you should stay where you are. Like I I said before. So I think, you know, when it got to the point and it probably took me, and I I hope that I've explained the timeline of of the inner turmoil in the book, that it took me probably two Mm. years to really get to the point of, of being like, okay, it's not, my thought process was I need to get this creative energy back to keep designing jewellery, whereas it wasn't that at all. It, it was like, oh, wait, it's time to close. And it took me two years to come to that realisation. So, yeah, and it's, you know, I, I woke up every I, I kept that information to myself for two weeks after I made that decision and I woke up every morning pretending I had already closed the company and I asked myself, how does it feel not to have a company anymore? I didn't ask myself what I thought about it because there was, you know, it was so, we're trained to logically have an explanation for everything. And I'm like, in that instance, there was no logical explanation. It was, it felt like the right thing to do. So, and, and, you know, to to your point before, I think, um, you know, it was a lot harder for me to close a successful business than to persist you know, with an $80,000 in debt business. Like it's, you, you'd think it would be, you know, it's, it's until you're in the situation, you're like, I thought this would be a lot easier, but it wasn't. So, um, but I think it just always goes back to thinking versus feeling. And it's a, it's a very different filter. We have to run those decisions through. Yeah. And do you find now in your life and and with this kind of new chapter, and you say you're unemployed, but (laughs) you're doing so many things, but like in this new chapter, how does that intuition play out for you now? Like, is your approach the same? Do you do you carry the same sense of this is my brand now? This is mm-hmm. who I'm who I'm here to serve. Like, is that still the same for you? Do you still carry out and and make decisions through those same filters? Absolutely, and I think you know the the more that I focus, I actually study intuition as a topic. It's something that you know interests me so dearly. 
Um, and I think the more you listen to it, the, it's like a muscle. You, you start to trust it more. And, you know, we've spent our entire life trying to quash it because we've been taught that you have to logically explain and, and see and touch everything. So it's a lot of for us to undo to then relearn the, the calmness in it. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something now that I don't, I don't hold on to things as tightly as I used to. And it, it took me, you know, pretty much the majority of my career to, to realise that surrender is not giving up. It's more just allowing what is meant to find you. And, you know, I think that, you know, I often talk about the word manifestation, which is just being so overused and always bastardised in, in a way. But I'm like, yeah. true manifestation is not, you know, it's not a pinboard with, you know, a dream car and holiday. Like that's elementary manifestation. Manifestation is when you truly get to your truest self and you operate in that space, what is true to you, not what's true to your parents or true to society or true to anyone else. It's true specifically to you. That's when what finds you is meant to find you. And that's manifestation. That's like I'm living at my my truest element and what is meant for me finds me. I love that. And and I love that, you know, early on in your career, because I feel like I started my business very much. I think I think I was 23 when I started my business. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what I I'd right. never run a business before. I hadn't oh, yeah. even worked in marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like actually same thing like the naivety in a way I kind of look at the things that I did initially I'm like what the heck was I thinking? Oh, like but absolutely. Just <laughs> but just there's this, you know, this blissful ignorance I guess of I've got no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And Early, early on in your book, and like, it's so funny because I was reading it with like, I never really use post-its, but I was like, I had these post-its next to my bed and was like putting them all through the book. But there's one thing that I like put a post-it on and it was, you speak about this early, you, and this is what you say, I worried that declining an opportunity would mean I would lose it forever. Mm. And I, when I read that, I was like, I totally relate to that. Like, I relate to that so deeply. I think there's this fear of missing out thing and it, and it can be crippling because you kind of opportunities, opportunities come and, and that's great, but it's, you start to kind of get a bit frenetic and reactive and, right. And I guess my question is, how did you learn to say no to opportunities, even if they were good opportunities? I, I don't know if I have learned it entirely. I think it's more, um, you know, I think we get to that point because firstly, or I know in my experience, I'm like, I spent most of my career, even now, I'm like, someone's just going to realise I have no idea what I'm doing and they're going to take it all away from me and be like, all right, you know, your time's <laughs> yes. up. And I think it's very much a creative thing. I think it's definitely a creative female thing. Um, so you're kind of yeah. like, you know, operating with like one you know, eye over your shoulder just to be like, is someone going to call me out because I really had no idea when I was starting and, you know, we take that that thought process through. So I think that, you know, when it comes to opportunities, we're like, well, shit, I better grab it because, you know, if someone's going to be at my door tomorrow <laughs> taking it all away from me. So it's this whole narrative we make up that then becomes our reality to us, not the reality, but our reality. So it's a very yes. dangerous vortex to, to allow ourselves to operate in. So um, now I think, you know, I'm much more, I make no uh, secret that I deal with anxiety. And I think now I look at what I take on. I'm like, is this, is this going to make me anxious? And is it going to add to, you know, a workload of, you know, not only physical workload, but an emotional workload for me. So I guess I, that's my 
gauge and barometer now of of taking things on. Um, I think a lot of time too, we think the urgency on something. So it's like if say an opportunity comes up and it's like, you know, and everyone wants everything yesterday. So we're like, oh, shit, I better drop everything I'm doing and get it done. I think sometimes if we can be really, you know, honest and be like, I would love this opportunity, but I won't be able to get to it till next month or, you know, here's my opening. People are like, oh, okay, cool. And they work around that. So I think, you know, showing up with um, our capabilities and our truth and, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it, it will find a way. But I think we so often, you know, go into that fear of, of, scarcity, of scarcity and then, um you know, get into this vortex. So totally. And I think it's actually, once you say no, it's so liberating. Like any email I send where I'm like, Hey, this sounds so great, but it's actually not a good fit for me. I feel like, Oh my gosh, I feel fantastic. Like why haven't I been doing this? You know, it's such a strange feeling. But it's, it's all a, um, a transaction. So if you're like, if you're saying yes to something and you don't really want to do it and it's probably your intuition being like, hey, this is probably not for you, it's like you're diving into the energy bank and just like handing it out anyway. And I'm like, it's no wonder it feels not right. It's no wonder we then get depleted. So, yeah, to say no is is not just like a, a stance. It's a protection of, of your own currency. And that's very, very powerful. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of your energy being your currency. I think that is so, so cool. And I think especially in online, the online space and and with Instagram and and social media, Mm. it can feel like our ability to say no and our ability to guard our time and our energy is really kind of, it almost feels like an assault on our our time in a way because it's always on. But it's like the, um, and it's designed, like the Instagram feed specifically is designed for us to think that there's a, a bottom of the, of the pit. So we scroll, I'm, like, I'm going to scroll till I get to the bottom, but there is no bottom. So it's like, and I, I know in my um, own mind when I'm talking, I'm like, oh, just one more, just one more, just one more. I'm like, oh my God, like an hour and I'm still on it. And um, it's designed that way. And I think, you know, a lot of the time you look and like I'm 39 years old and a lot of the time sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to wait for an adult to tell me what to do. And I'm like, no, 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 you're <laughs> the you're the adult in this situation. It's like no more screen time, Samantha, like get off. So, um, yes. you know, really um, respecting the impact of that because it's not it's not a one way, like it's it's an absorption this way as well as an exertion of, of your time and, and headspace. So it's that's a really big one. Absolutely. And you share a story and I guess this kind of links in with the opportunity thing. You share a story of in your early days, you started the second company to kind of accommodate the lower ticket retailers and customers. And you describe yourself as frenetic and reactive, which again, I relate to a lot. (laughs) I think I, I often, my husband will look at me and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? I, here? My hands are, yeah, I'm like, I'm just like, there's so many things, you know. So, why do you think, like, because I, I really relate to this and I think a lot of our people would relate to this as well. Why do you think we try to be everything to everyone? Like, why do you think entrepreneurs and, and business owners try to do that? I think it, the two reasons that come to mind is like we spoke about before, like that that opportunity. And when I share that story where I started the diffusion line, like I had no business starting a second, like I, had, I could barely keep up with the one business, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, there's an opportunity. I've got to grab it. I've got to 
rather than just kind of honing in and and being like, no, just do this one really well. Um, yeah. And then I think that the second thing, and I, you know, I can only speak from a female perspective, but I think we we don't like to disappoint people. So it's like there was a, a quote that I posted on the Samantha Wills Foundation the other day where it's like we juggle all these balls and we think they're all glass and we think that you know if we drop one that you know, it's the end of the world kind of thing. But it's like the reality is most of them are plastic and there's a few that are glass, you know, whether it be our, you know, our immediate family, children, you know, our health to some degree. And so we think that, you know, it's also deadly important. But I'm like, and the same goes for when, um, you know, we think we're going to disappoint people. I'm like, if we're just really honest with people, they everyone's so worried about their own selves. No one really gives a shit what everyone else is doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I had to um, cancel, I had to, when my book came out, my friends beautifully were like, you know, we're going to come over, we're going to celebrate the book. I was like, yes, it's great. And I just, I, you know, was so overworked at the time. I had, you know, such a flare up of anxiety and usually I'd I'd just push through and, you know, I wouldn't want it. They'd got babysitters, they'd organize, you know, all these things. And then the night before I just had to call them. I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. Like I, I'm going to have to cancel tomorrow. I'm not in a good place. I just, I'm okay. I just need to, you know, go to ground for the weekend and just, just rest. And, you know, the old me would have been like, I can't, I can't cancel on them. They're going to be so mad. And they were just like, absolutely no worries. Please let us know what we can do to support you. We love you. We only want what is best for you. But, you know, again, we make this narrative up that everyone's going to hate us and we're going to disappoint everyone. I'm like, everyone, you know, wants the best for you. And, you know, we're so worried about what everyone else thinks, but everyone's just thinking of themselves in in a different way anyway. So it's a, yeah, we we exacerbate it. Yes. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she's she's been struggling with a lot of um, adrenal fatigue and she's been doing mm-hmm. this like these exercises every day and, and she was talking to me about it and she was saying the pathway and I'm probably going to absolutely ruin this, the science of this, but anyway, I'm going to do it anyway. But she was saying the pathway from like when you have that type of response where it's this adrenal mm-hmm anxious response she was saying the pathway in your in your brain it it kind of recognizes a feeling and mm-hmm. kind of points you straight to that immediate stress response and it's amazing how in business you know I see that play out for me I'm like I can get an email and it mm-hmm. can send me into a tailspin you know and right. it's like it's actually just it's actually not a big deal but it's like you know it, it, it kind of has the same weighting as if, you know, you had a fight with your husband or something. Like, yeah. it's like, no, that's a that's a business thing. That's a client or a customer. That's not the right. same. But it's like our brains go, oh, I recognise this feeling. I'm just mm-hmm. going to bounce you right over to that response. And it's it's crazy the way it works. And it happens, like that habit is formed so, so quickly. And if we, you know, like we were saying before, like what we continue to to do and say becomes our reality, our, our truth, not the truth. But like if, if that, if we don't step in as the adult to cut that, you know, reaction and that reaction time, then that very quickly becomes how, how we show up and operate, which is, you know, the power of that and the impact of that is is incredibly deep and incredibly powerful. Yeah, totally, totally. And also on your, like on your health, right? Because, Mm. and I know you've gone through a huge journey in in your health and it's like the impact of that level of anxiety every Mm. single day. There has to be somewhere that that physically 
has to show oh. up, right? A thousand percent. You know, I, I speak about that in the book in a in a different way, like going through a heart, my you know first heartbreak that I speak about in the book. Like your body has to, it has to exert somewhere. In my case, you know, my hair started falling out, my skin, you know, started to scab. Like it was it was a physical. Like I I wasn't processing it emotionally, so it had to play out somewhere. And that's with absolutely any um, any form of stress, anxiety, any anything in our body, it has to process in some way. And I think as business owners, we so often as female business owners, we put our health to, I'll get to that when, you know, I'm not as busy or, you know, everything comes before that because we feel like it's saying that we can self-manage in a way. And I'm like, the body will only whisper, you know, so, so quietly for a while. And then it literally will turn around and start screaming at you. And, and that comes in the form of, you know, hitting, hitting the wall and burning out. That's health, health breakdowns. There's, it, it, it only wants ever only wants what's best for us, and for some reason, we we don't listen to her ninety nine percent of the time. Totally, and and for you, like, would you say you had burnout? You experienced burnout during the business or after? How did that kind of play out? I I would say I hit burnout probably like on a smaller level once a year with with the business, and I knew it usually happened around January February for some reason. It could you know could have been a creative burnout, you know, physical. Um, and then I think it really, you know, my health really was impacted when, um, you know, I didn't realize I had endometriosis. I um, would push through, I, you know, normalized that our monthly cycle, oh, well, it's painful. It's not meant to be a fun time, you know, took on all the stigmas that society had, had taught us about it. And, just put it to the back burner and persisted and then numbed my body. My body continually was, you know, talking to me and I was like, you know, some more neurofen, more neurofen and got really annoyed with her actually, just like in, in the most awful way, um, tried to numb her some more. And I don't know, I think it's, I think burnout is when, if someone asked me now how to, what's my advice, advice to women to not burn out in business, I'm like, sometimes you have to burn out to really know what is important and in that case my health like needed to be prioritized really really quickly because you know I was in in an operating theater a few weeks after that diagnosis and um, I think you know burnout is happens for a purpose I don't say a reason I think it's a purpose that is you know a real reality check for us to be like hang on it's it the the pendulum has has swayed so far from the center it's time to realign that a little bit. Totally and and do you think and I'm not sure on the stats on this but Mm-hmm. Do you think that burnout affects women more because, as you were saying, like we have this fear of disappointing people and I think there's also this this expectation to be an incredible mom, an incredible partner mm-hmm. and you have to overachieve in business to be taken seriously, it feels like. Like do you think that that has impacted the way that people's like women's bodies are responding and, and even like with burnout and endo and, and all of these conditions, like do you think that that's at play there? Absolutely. And I think, you know, again, I, I don't know, same as you, I don't know the stats on it, but if you look back at like what, you know, even 30 years ago, you're like, all right, well, you would, um, you know, probably have one career. If you had two careers, that was kind of crazy. Like if you changed industry or did, you mm. know, did something new. So you'd have one career, you would, you know, probably finish that career mid twenties, thirties to have children and then raise those children, and then maybe go back to work. Now you look at and you're like, all right, well, just the, the expanse of what's open to us, you know, when travel 
was a thing and will return to being a thing. But, you know, we're traveling more places. We're having more than one career in our lifetime. We're sometimes having multiple careers at one time. You know, we're, we're, we're dating longer. We're, you know, on digital. You know, there's, there's all these things that have opened up. But then you're like, the one thing that hasn't changed is the female biological clock in a way. So it's like the female body is is doing so much more than it was you know, 30 years ago or even 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, the, so that has to play out somewhere. It's, it's, it's the one thing that hasn't changed when everything else around it has, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. And what do you wish someone would have said to you when you kind of hit that burnout point? Um. I think, you know, to, to really honour your intuition a lot more and intuition being how, you know, your body is communicating to you. I think that, like I said before, like we've been taught that unless you can logically explain something, it's probably not real. So I think there's, you know, so much to to undo with that and, and really learn how to trust how, you know, our body gets goosebumps for a reason. Our body, you know, it's a gut feeling. It's called a gut feeling because it's actually a communication from the gut. Um, learning the language of your body and and honouring that as a as a fluent language, I wish that I had have been encouraged and empowered to do that a lot earlier. Yeah, I love that. And so, talk to me about Samantha Wills Foundation. So, how what what does that look like now? And is this kind of the the kind of stuff you're covering? And I know you work with a lot of creative women. Like, talk mm-hmm. to me about that. Yeah, so I launched it in 2016, just literally as a, a quiet side piece to the, you know, jewellery brand. And I did so because I was kind of sharing more vulnerably on uh, Instagram about kind of the business journey, but obviously you, you're limited with characters on there. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to start this, you know, little Squarespace side page and launched it very quietly. And then it got the traffic in the first um, three weeks that I expected it would get in the first year. So I was like, okay, there's a, a need here for uh, vulnerable storytelling, specifically as it relates to women in business, because like you said, like we're, you know, we're kind of operating, trying to do all these things, but the reality is we're human and there's a human element um, below all of that. So it's like, let's talk about that. So that was in 2016. Um, and then kind of, you know, as over time, it's, you know, kind of been added to, and it's never really had my hundred percent focus, obviously, because of the jewelry company, but now it's, yes, yeah, so now the book is out. It's um, the Samantha Wills Foundation. If the book is the kind of the story element of, of the business journey, the Samantha Wills Foundation is going to be the tangible elements. So we're uh, in the final stages of editing um, a masterclass on there. We're doing uh, workshops around uh, creativity and in, imposter syndrome and kind of procrastination and how to work around those um, as women. Um, and then, yeah, the masterclass is going to be very tangible handing over of, you know, here's the Samantha Wills marketing template. Here's what I did to build the brand here's different ways to dive into your brand for, for brand engagement so kind of sharing you know very much on the, the brand side of things it sounds amazing it sounds like such a cool space for women and I, I love that it's unique for women because I think we do have a unique experience in business and mm-hmm. and in our careers so I think that is so needed in such a cool space and uh, just one more question on the you know I know you've had such a big journey and and I know you've got so many more things that you have going on now, but how, so when you, when you close the business, mm-hmm. I can't imagine, you know, and even reading a bit about your story, I can't imagine that you could just switch off right away, right? Like you are a crazy hard worker and, you know, I think there's, 
there's so much that you had built over that 15-year period. Mm-hmm. How do you now approach your work, your health and your life? Like are your priorities different? You know, how do you stop yourself from overworking? Yeah, it's a great question because I think there's so much asked around work-life balance. And, you know, one of the lines in the book I say at the end, I'm like, whoever came up with that term definitely was not a creative entrepreneur. And I kind of liken it in the way that, you know, because I think entrepreneurship obviously is, and modern entrepreneurship is, is very different to what traditional entrepreneurship was, but I think it's still linked to the traditional thought process of work. And then the traditional thought process is, well, you know, it should be nine to five or 50, 50, or, you know, some, some type of clear cut balance around it. So, you know, I liken that and it is as a creative entrepreneur, it is in our DNA. Like it's what it's, it's our, you know, purpose. It's, it's the, the, the flow of why we, you know, show up in the yeah. world. So if I liken that, and if someone's like, you're working too much, which at sometimes like I understand when it's impacting health or, you know, impact or, you know, stress levels and things like, like I understand the concept of that. But if you liken it to someone, say, who wants to be an Olympic swimmer and they're like, all right, well, I'm getting up at three o'clock every morning and I'm in the pool five times a day and I'm training, you know, crazy hours. No one's turning around to him and being like, your dreams are too big, like you're too committed to your dreams kind of thing. So it's it's a it, when you think about the the paradigm of of how you're delivering that information, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, yeah. is not looked at as like chasing the dream. Good for you for chasing it. It's like you're working too much. So um, I think now, like, you know, if, if I was sitting here working nine to five, I, I would not be fulfilled. Like it's not, it, it's it's my passion. Like entrepreneurship and creative entrepreneurship is is what I love to do. So um, I don't know. I think, you know, we, again, we have to step in and be the adult in in these situations. And and, and that's different to, to everyone. It's different to what stage of life they're in, um, what, you know, they experience health and mental health wise. So um, I think it's, you know, for me, balance now is longer periods uh, without anxiety. It's about feeling happy in the work I'm doing rather than doing it because I, I have to do it. Um, so I kind of put different metrics in of, of what balance looks like to me, but it's it's really not a it's not a it's not based around time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that, and I do think I do think the work life balance thing is a bit of a fallacy because it's it, as we say, like it's on. You know, social media is on. The way that we communicate right. is so different now, and and it needs to be less about. I love the idea of you talking about like your energy. I guess it's about doing things that as much as you expend energy, you also have something that fills you as well and that that energizes you. Definitely. And I, and the- I think it's, you know, there's a lot of things going around that are like don't glamorize the grind, and which I totally, totally agree with. And it's kind of like, you know, yeah. if, if you're sitting there being like, I haven't taken a holiday in three years or I haven't taken time off, I'm like, that's not to be celebrated because that essentially is saying, you know, I don't value my output enough to recharge it. So it's like, it, it, it comes completely across as rather than, oh, I'm such a hard worker. It's like, well, do you actually value, you know, your outputs? And if you do harness that and, and whatever that is to the individual, that could be, you know, getting nine hours sleep a night. It could be taking a holiday every three months, it could, whatever, whatever it is, but yeah, making sure you, you're filling up. If that is your currency, how are you investing in it? Absolutely. And even more so for creatives, right? Because we have to have a sense of deeper meaning in what we're doing. And there, there's this thing of, oh, it needs to be kind of 
our work at because we're creating things right our work needs to be fulfilling and it needs to represent us and like there are so many times when Nath my husband will be like I'll be like oh we need to change the office so that it's more (laughs) of the vibe like and I'll be like this is what I want to do and it's just going to be so good and I can't wait blah 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 and he's always like Laura I don't I don't even understand why it matters but I'm like it's my soul like (laughs) it's the like it matters it matters why don't you understand so it's a really um I think it's especially important for creatives because we kind of it it actually makes the grunt work of oh I've got a I've got deadlines or I've got this Mm -hmm. admin stuff that naturally I'm not good at it makes that stuff more manageable and enjoyable if it's if it feels like it's in a zone where you're like oh I feel good like a thousand percent what I will say to that though and I know I am the most guilty of it is I will (laughs) a thousand percent a day choose rearranging the office rather than you know sitting down to doing the things I don't want to do so I think we have to really differentiate what's an investment in the creative output versus what's a distraction to you know it's the equivalent of just going standing in front of the fridge and being like there's anything grown in here since last time I opened the door so (laughs) where are my snacks Um, they haven't appeared (laughs) so um, and I don't know I I remember a quote by Tom Ford where he's like you know as creatives we're meant to you know have a, a brilliant idea on this day of the month at this certain time and and I think creativity obviously doesn't work like that so I think when we are mm. in that creative flow state and whatever that that doesn't have to you know mean painting and, and pottery wheels that's whatever you're creating creativity is creating the life around you whatever that is um, you have to honor that and you need to stay in that what when that's flowing you have to stay in it for as as long as it's offering so there will be times where you're like hey I'm just going to go to ground because you know I mean flow state or whatever title you'd like to give it and there'll be other times where it's it doesn't feel like that and, and it's okay to just to to just take a step back and be like you know just just take a breath and and it will return so I think it's about honoring those two spaces yeah so so good all right I have some rapid fire questions for you and before okay. we wrap up okay finish this sentence true success looks like oh I think what I said before, like success now is, is longer times without anxiety. And I think the other thing is creating without the need for a commercial outcome, because I think for so long, um, you know, I, everything had to have a commercial outcome to it. So to, you know, sit and do a paint by numbers now, it does, it feels like a small success to me. Oh, I love that. I love the paint by numbers thing. That's so yeah. good. I definitely need to do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a hobby. 2021 for me, I'm like, it's the year of the hobby. I need to figure yes. out something that. And it's so oh, important. Seriously. Like I say to creative entrepreneurs, I'm like, that's your space to get new ideas because your mind's actively doing what it wants, you know, is, is creating, but it doesn't have to think too hard about it. So you're not there trying to problem solve. You're like, I was like, that's where new ideas come to you. So carving out time for a hobby as a creative person is paramount. Oh, okay. I need any hobby <laughs> suggestions from anyone. Let me know because I'm like, yeah. um, I could do, yeah, I'm like pottery. I could make little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, gosh. Okay. Next question. If you were starting a new brand from scratch today, what's the first thing you would do? 
I think if I was starting today, I would get the business side of it in order. I think, um, you know, back then I thought, you know, I thought I could do it all. I definitely couldn't. I thought that um, the more money that I brought in, the the better it was, where I'm like, that's well and good if you've got the structure behind you. So um, I think starting out, you don't have to employ people full time. You know, I'd be looking to put in a a bookkeeper and then get their recommendation on a good accountant. Um, And then just get some framework of what your financial capabilities are at the start, because having that enables you to, to, you know, take a much more empowered, creative journey. I love it. Um, And final question, what's been the most valuable investment you've made in your business? Oh, I, I'd have to say it's intuition. I think when I really started to, to study that and hone in on that and practice that, um, just a whole new world of things opened up to me. So that was, yeah, that's in business and in life. Amazing. All right. Well, (laughs) what is next for you? I know that we're going to be sharing links to your book because it's honestly beautiful. What is, what's next for Samantha Wills Foundation and everything you're doing? Yeah, so obviously, you know, the book is just newly out, so I'm kind of following where she leads. I would love to see her adapted uh, outside the pages in some way. Um, definitely more writing and obviously the, um, the masterclass and, and workshops are having 100% of my focus uh, in the next few months to get those out into the world. Amazing. Oh, my gosh, I could see um, who's the guy, is it Darren Starr who, do, who produced um, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Yes. He, you should pitch the book to him. You should be like, okay, Darren. That's a great idea. This is- <laughs> Dear Darren. Hi. It's hey, Samantha. Darren. <laughs> Daz. We, I think, oh my gosh, that would be so good. Because he did um, Younger. Younger. The other yeah. one. And it's, oh my gosh, I can see it now. Okay. <laughs> this should happen. Absolutely. This is good. All right. We're putting this it out there. This is good. Put it out there. Speak to Darren. If anyone has a connection to Darren, <laughs> tee it up. Speak to Darren. <laughs> I'll pop that on my to-do list today. Speak to yeah. Darren. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, I love the book and it's been such a pleasure to chat with you. And and I'm really, I know everything you're doing with Samantha Wills Foundation is incredible. So we'll share links to everything so everyone can check it out. But thank you. And thanks for being so raw and honest. I think it's so rare, but it felt like, it, it feels like a breath of fresh air. You're just oh, so real and authentic. You. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And and to you, like for providing platforms like this to facilitate these t- type of conversations is so needed. So hand on my heart. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you, Samantha. Well, I will chat to you very soon. Let me know when Darren comes back to you. <laughs> I will. I'll, f- I'll forward it on. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Okay. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't she just glorious? I I feel like so inspired after that conversation. I really do hope that the writer from Sex and the City picks up the book and makes it into a TV show or a movie. That would be glorious. I'd definitely, I'd definitely support that. (laughs) That would be great. If you're looking for any of the links, if you want to check out Samantha Will's book of Golden Dust, head on over to our show notes. We'll have everything packaged up nice and easy for you to access all of her links there. 
Music from today's episode is by Jake Scott. He's a wonderful human. You can check him out at Spotify or Apple Music. As always, thank you so much for joining me on My Business Playbook. If you love the episode, please share it around, share the love. That would be amazing. But I will see you here, same time, same place next week. Woo, go get them. <laughs>